Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of the Unstoppable Leader podcast. And today's episode is with Bill Dolan. Bill is an Emmy-nominated TV and video director with over 10,000 productions under his belt. Now, for over 30 years, Bill has worked in television, video, and entertainment with celebrities such as the Black Eyed Peas, Gwen Stefani, Maroon 5, and Mark Burnett, who produced Survivor, The Voice, and Shark Tank. Now, Bill currently is the president and creative director of Spirit Media, strategic creative agency, and author of the book, The Seven Disciplines of Relationship Marketing. We talk about having the courage to be yourself, tips for being an outstanding communicator, finding your purpose and knowing who you truly are with absolute certainty so you can attract what you deserve in life, be it amazing customers in your business or relationships to die for. Hope you enjoy the episode. Have fun listening. Welcome everybody to the Unstoppable Leader podcast with your guest, Maria Patisetti. And today I have with me another Unstoppable Leader, Bill Dorn. Now, Bill's got an amazing background. He's an Emmy-nominated TV and video director with over 10,000 productions under his belt. And Bill has worked with celebrities like the Black Eyed Peas, one of my favorites, Gwen Stefani, Maroon 5, Mark Burnett, who produced Survivor, Shark Tank, and The Voice. And of course, now, Bill, you're the president and creative director of Spirit Media, that's a strategic marketing agency. But one of my other favorite things about Bill is the book that he's written. He's an author of a book called The Seven Disciplines of Relationship Marketing. Welcome, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you, my friend. Uh, It's amazing how we met. I love LinkedIn for so many reasons, but friends like you that I've met has been an absolute privilege, Bill. So I'm so happy to have you on my podcast. Now I'm going to start by asking a couple of questions and then we'll go on to your book because I love your book. So I have to go into that. But the first question I wanted to ask was, since COVID happened, there's been a lot of content and a lot of marketing that's been happening. People have really revved up their marketing in all areas. So in a crowded market like that, how do you stand out, Bill? I know you cover it in your book, but I wanted to ask this question for the sake of our audience and then we'll launch into the book. Well, yeah, it is, it is a crowded market. And, um, you know, the first thing, first key ingredient to stand out, honestly, is courage. And the reason I say that is that, you know, you and I have known each other for a while. I count you as one of my dear friends, you know, and just being transparent here. I think a lot of people grow up wondering if they're worthy, wondering if they're loved or worthy to be loved. And, and then if you've been bullied or you've experienced rough things as a child, and then a lot of us experienced a lot of things, then the natural tendency is to recoil and to say, I don't want to stand out because when I stand out, I get picked on. So if I could just kind of back off here and I kind of stay in my, my space here, I even blend in, I won't get hurt, yeah. which unfortunately is a horrible way to run a business or an organization because that temptation to be not noticed is mm-hmm. robbing you from being noticed. And so that's why I say courage is so important. And, uh, and in my book, I actually, I, I talk about then what do we be courageous about? Mm-hmm. And the idea of, of courage really stems from knowing why we're here, what's important and our purpose and our values. Because the more those become instilled in us, 
the more even in the toughest space of the world we can stand up in the midst of the, the risk of being ridiculed, the risk of being hurt, and say, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I offer. And, and then, for goodness sakes, look at all the other differentiators. How can you deliver maybe a different product, maybe in a different style, maybe in a different manner? Maybe it has to do with frequency. Maybe it has to do with quality. There's so many differentiators that once you get past that, take a breath and be courageous. Now you can dig in and say, how am I really different? And how can I celebrate that? And then, of course, how do you test it? Yeah, wow. I have to, I have to say, you've done so well despite the circumstances right now. So I'm going to have to ask the question I didn't ask this ahead of time, but what has had you succeed in the last few months, Bill? I know you've got a massive heart. That's a given. You're, you're very different to a number of marketers that I've met. So you're so from the heart, Bill. So that's what made you stand out for me and for me to reach out to you, by the way. Oh, thank you. No, and it's one of the reasons I love you so much and appreciate and respect you so many ways. I, you know, I would say part of it is just growing up. Mm. Um, you know, we get stretched and every day uh, we basically go to the gym of life. And there's a point of being stressed and stretched to the point that destroys you. Yeah. But there's also a point of being stressed and stretched that strengthens you. And even though you might breathe heavy and sweat and all the different things that go with it, especially in this season, that has caused a lot of us to revisit what we're doing, why we're doing it. Um, is this really our passion? Is this really our gifting? Is this really our calling? This is actually not a bad season. It's a great season because it strips away a lot of the facades that we put on every day. You know, whether it is, I need to look this way or act this way or behave this way or achieve this and really ask in questions about what matters. And the more you get to that, the more conviction you have, the more stamina that you have, the more passion you have. So instead of getting up every day with, okay, I got to go to work again, it's, I get to change the world again. I get to have the privilege of impacting lives in a positive and powerful way. I get to use my gifts to make a great difference in the world that's going to make this world better. And when you go to bed at night to think, if I get the privilege of doing it again, you wake up giddy and you get to do it again. And so yeah. that's exactly how I feel right now. Totally feel right that way right now. Absolutely. I was going to segue into the book, but I've just got one question before I do, because the previous one would have led so beautifully into it. Now, you've worked with some of the greatest communicators that I really love. So can you give our listeners some tips on how you can become one of those? Because I'm one of the people that believes that anybody can achieve anything, Bill, if you put your mind to it. I don't, obviously, some people are born with the gift of the gab, so to speak, but some of us have had to learn to do that. So I think anybody can. So what would be some of your, I don't even want to call it tips, but what would you suggest people who are struggling with communication and to become a great communicator? Well, the first thing is recognizing that communication is a skill. And it's a skill that you're right. Some people have it. It's like, you know, you see people who are athletes. Um, 
I'm, I, I mean, I played soccer, football, um, and, uh, and mostly because I'm tall enough that my feet reach the ground. <laughs> so I qualified. Um, but then you meet, like here in the United States, we have the NBA and the National Basketball Association. We have incredible athletes. And guess what? These guys are giants. <laughs> and there's no way I could step on the court with them or aspire to rise to that occasion. These were born with a gift. But with that gift, they work really hard. And the more you know athletes, you, the more you realize they've worked intensely hard for this. They've committed themselves to their craft. And that's how they become great. Now, if you're like me and, you know, you weren't born seven foot tall, um, obviously there's some things that you'd say, well, I, I guess I'm not, that's not part of my destiny. Yes. But communication is part of all of our destiny. It is one of those rare things that we have the privilege of doing because it's one of those things that you get to do in relationship. And you get good at it when you practice. And you get good at it when you observe. You get good at it when you listen. And I would say, if I had to say tips, for example, what is besides practice and recognizing this is a skill, you know? I mean, most of us, you know, when we're little kids, we figured out how to form whole sentences. Well, that doesn't qualify you as a good communicator. It just qualifies you as a functional communicator. Be a good communicator. I encourage people to try to grow their emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. because great communication is relationship driven. Mm -hmm. And what I give to you in the form of a sentence or a statement or a thought becomes great when it becomes relevant and meaningful Mm. and becomes relevant and meaningful when I hear you and I know what your wants and needs are, what your fears and frustrations are, what your objections and and concerns and, and the manner with which you receive information. And I can now wrap my communication in a precious gift. It becomes not just an act of communication, it becomes an act of love. It becomes an act of caring. It becomes an act of respect. It can become an act of kindness and it can become an act of healing and it can mm-hmm. become an act of hope. But it's only because I listen and I practice. And I would say the third thing is this. When you are communicating, be present. Mm-hmm. We live in a world where we're surrounded by all kinds of things, you know, whether it's the phones or, you know, our computers or whatever it is. And we've gotten in the habit of multitasking and thinking we're multitasking, being in the same room with people that we care and love and, and are supposed to be working with, but really not giving honor to and respect to because we're splitting our attention between them and a device, between them and another screen. And great communication is when you give 100% attention to that person with whom you're having that relationship. Mm. And when you have that, it's crazy powerful. Yeah. Crazy powerful. And it's a game changer. Mesmerized, Bill, because I was just thinking, you know, when you would, if you ask this of a person who is, say, a teacher in the in the communication world, I would have gotten all of the tips, like you know, speak, 
you know, the, the tone has to be this or something has to be this. And the reason I asked you this question was exactly this, because I knew it would not be about the tactics, but it would be about something a lot more deep and meaningful. And I agree. Some of the best speakers or the orators of the, of the world, actually, if you think about it, they spoke from the heart and which is why they moved not just five or six people, but millions, right? Whatever platform they chose to think about somebody like Oprah or whatever. It's, it's just from the heart and so authentic and wow. Really, really useful. Thank you so much. Which leads me to the next one because you have an amazing story. And I, the book, we have to talk about that. But before I talk about the book, I want to ask you, how did that book come about? And how did you become the loving and open person that you are? Well, it, it has been a journey. And, and I'd love to tell you that, you know, I, I'm just, you know, learned and, you know, like every, every man who comes with a high degree of emotional intelligence and caring, I just came that way. And that's the way I am. Yeah. <laughs> but we know that's not always the case. And, uh, uh, and I was one of those guys that, you know, I grew up in the television industry and I was, my role, primary role was that of a director. And as a director, it's like, boom, boom, boom. You know, you, I call cameras and I boss people around and, you know, do all those types of things. And, and, uh, so I tended to be very, very driven and, uh, um, and I was in a point in my life where my career, our business was like really growing and exploding. It was very profitable. And I had this opportunity to produce a documentary, which is kind of a dream project. Um, because think about this when you become a producer of a documentary. And if you get the distribution rights, you know, you get royalties. And, and so there's a financial benefit. There's an artistic benefit and allows you to roll into another project. There's just a lot of things about that model that were very attractive uh, for me. And uh, I produced this documentary and ooh, we got a distributor. And there was a company in Nashville and they said, come to Nashville. We want to sign this contract and we're going to write you a big check for the rights to distribute your, your product. Oh, man, this is it. I have arrived from this point on. My life is going to change forever. So I got on the plane that morning with my, my best friend, Timothy Greenidge, who is probably one of the greatest gospel singers in the world. And uh, we traveled, we toured with a lot of uh, events and shows. And uh, we got about 20 minutes in the flight. Now, again, I'm starting from the West Coast of the United States, heading east to Nashville. And about 20 minutes into the flight, I started to feel strange. And I couldn't put my finger on it because I'm never, ever sick, ever. But I was, something was wrong. And it's like things started closing in on me. And so as I was trying to, you know, positive, think my way through this and things got, started to get fuzzier. I turned to Timothy and I said, Timothy, there's, something's not right. Mm -hmm. And that's the last thing I said. And my eyes rolled back in my head and my arms flopped by my side and my heart stopped. Wow. And um, now Timothy did not know CPR. But he had seen scenes like this and thought, okay, I need to do chest compressions. So he began doing chest compressions on me. And uh, when that didn't work and I didn't respond, he, now Timothy 
he's a giant guy. I mean, a giant guy. He picked me up and he, he put me in the aisle and he began doing these chest compressions. And as Timothy uh, told me, and I, I described this in the book, he said he was ready to, to take his fist. He was ready to break my ribs. And as he pulls back to break my ribs, I took a breath and he stopped. Now we ended up, for those people that are fascinated by the medical side of this, let me say this. We did emergency landing. I ended up in a cardiac wing and I was diagnosed with malignant neurocardiogenic syncope. Malignant means you can die. Yeah. Uh, neuro's brain, cardio's heart, and syncope means out of sync. And bottom line, I have an extreme form of it where my brain can get confused with my heart and my brain tells my heart to stop. Not wow. a good thing. Yeah. And in fact, the old, they don't know what causes it, but what they do is they implant a pacemaker in your chest and they monitor. In fact, funny thing, Maria, mm. show and tell time. Yes. Oh, this wow. This was the first pacemaker that was put in my chest. And they just one. <laughs> pop it right up there, you know, and I have a second one in there now. And it's just absolutely miraculous how this thing works. Uh, so it monitors my heart rate. And about six times a day, my heart rate drops uh, to a dangerous level. And this kicks in and paces my heart and keeps my heart from stopping. Wow. That's even today, right? Even today. Wow. On the average, it goes off about six times a day. And it, my life changed in really a couple ways. Uh, number one is that I had a pretty profound after-death experience. And uh, um, what I experienced when, as I, I put it, I crossed the threshold of eternity, mm. totally blew my paradigm about eternity and faith and all those things in such a powerful way. I mean, it really, really... It gets me giddy thinking about it. I mean, mm. seriously, oh, it was incredible. Mm. You know, but coming back to, you recognize that every day is a gift. Mm. Every breath is a gift. And I personally don't believe I've earned it. I don't deserve it. Um, but because it's a gift, there's, a, there's an obligation on my heart that says, if I've been given this gift, how can I use this breath, this gift of life? to be a gift to others. Mm. And I go to bed every night, hoping technology works, yeah. not wow. knowing if I'll wake up the next day. And I wake up every day with such a sense of anticipation and thankfulness because I realize I've been given another day to use my life as a gift for others. Wow. And um, it makes me incredibly thankful, incredibly grateful but incredibly purposeful. Mm. And that's what blew up also my whole paradigm about marketing. I mean, working in television, working in entertainment, working in marketing. And it made me realize that a lot of things we're doing, there's some great practices, mm. but the methodology with which we conducted business was flawed because it was transactional. It was not relational. Well, it's a tough, hard-nosed business, right? So you, you were, it's amazing, right? 180 degrees for you from that kind of sector. I'm not saying that it's a bad sector by any means, but a tough sector. 
to the other end of the spectrum almost, Bill. Absolute transformation. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, we live in a very great time in history because in business, we typically measure success by some metrics, gross revenue, net revenue, profitability, you know. Um, uh, those elements are practical and appropriate and necessary. Those are part of the business purposes of business, but it's not necessarily the part of the purpose of why we're here. Mm. And what really brings value to us, what really brings meaning to us, and the idea that we conduct business stripping away sometimes humanity, mm. only to use humanity for the purpose of profit, rather than to use our profit for the benefit of humanity. That's kind of a, a game changer. Yes. And that's where relationship marketing made so much sense. And it became such a brilliant way to, to honor who we are as humans and maybe do some of the best business and transformational work we could ever hope to do. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to actually start with your the the one of the disciplines and the most important one for me is is the purpose part, right? Well, actually, how about I get you to start with one and two because I think if I go through all of them, we'll run out of time. So if you pick no. the number one and two, <laughs> or say you it the bet. way you would like to, <laughs> well, we you could bet. be here is for it, hours. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it took a bit, a book, but it's a short book. It's not a really long book, and I I, I wanted it. When I went back and I, and I started studying the greatest communicators in the history of the world, a, a tapestry started to unfold. I realized that I wasn't just looking at a template for great marketing. I was looking at a template for creating movements. Mm -hmm. And these seven disciplines, when you line them up together, they're nothing that you haven't heard before in terms of an ingredient. Mm -hmm. But it is the combination um, it's kind of like nitroglycerin, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a, they're not complex ingredients, but when you put them together, they can do something incredibly powerful. And that's where the seven disciplines all of a sudden was like a wake up call. Yeah. Because when you saw the historic use of these applications, you saw explosive and powerful results in businesses, organizations, and movements. Mm -hmm. And so, the, the first really one is it's foundational, and it is the principle of I call mission. But there's five pieces broken into that, and that is clarity of your purpose, clarity of the missions. Notice I say missions. Yes. Because um, I really, really do believe it's almost like a military type of thing where, you know, you have a purpose, like I'm going to accomplish this, but what missions do you need to accomplish to do that? And so when you look at that from that context, it gives you a clearer understanding, not feeling like I'm, 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 I'm tied, my hands are tied because I've got just one mission. No, we actually have multiple missions for the fulfillment of a bigger purpose. And that purpose can be for um, a company. It can be for you. It can even be for a project. That if you take a project and say, what's the purpose? What are the missions we need to accomplish? What are the goals we need to set for this? And then ask the question, what are the values that will drive this process? And then, of course, vision. And I think vision is definitely such a foundational need for all of us. And I, 
I'm, I'm smiling because I don't want to be too critical. But I think a lot of us give lip service to this. Yes. Oh, I got the lip, you know, I did my paragraph, I did this. And, you know, they put it on the wall of the, of the boardroom and stuff like that. But look, how many times have you seen people draft these missions and purposes? Uh, maybe they go on the employee manual, but they're not actionable. They're not compelling. They don't do this and say, am I really ready to get out of bed to do this because I'm fired up about this? Most of the time, no. Um, in, a, in a vision, when you, when you craft it properly, it's kind of like a, a, a puzzle box. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you're a little kid, I know my mom uh, bought me puzzles. Um, and the first thing you do when you have the puzzle box is you look at the cover. Because now when you look at all these pieces, you go, ah, that's what I'm making. Yeah. So as the pieces come together, they have context. Oh, that's a corner. Um, that's the middle. Oh, those are the trees or those are the flowers or that's, you know, whatever it is. And see, if you can get a vision that is so clear, it's part of the puzzle box. One of the beautiful benefits of it is this. You know where you're going and it's easy to share and get other people engaged in what that looks like. Mm. The second thing is the world is going to throw tons of puzzle pieces at you, (laughs) telling you ideas, oh, you need this puzzle piece. Oh, you need this puzzle piece, buy this puzzle piece. And I would say, if you don't know what that puzzle looks like, the distraction and the diversion of chasing puzzle pieces that don't belong in your puzzle, Are one of the business killers and momentum killers of our of our day. Mm. So when you could look at something and say that doesn't belong in my puzzle, but thank you, maybe that belongs in somebody else's, or maybe that belongs in a future puzzle. The confidence you have with that vision um, is powerful, but it's hard to do. So if you're not willing to go through that exercise, recognize that everything from that point on is going to struggle with a degree of of compromise in terms of your effectiveness, your decisiveness, your clarity, and your ability to convey that vision to others. So that's really discipline one. Yeah. I I was actually going to say, Bill, that discipline, I mean, we're speaking from a business perspective, right? But I'm thinking these disciplines I've realized is very, very suitable for our listeners who are individuals trying to stand out in the market and relationship marketing, especially for those who may have lost their jobs, right? It's a yeah. perfect seven disciplines to go through for yourself to reset so that you can go and find hopefully your perfect job because it may well be the perfect time to have a reset. Oh, yeah. I think uh, there's a lot of resets going on. I yeah. totally agree. I totally agree. And, and then the second discipline really, um, and this, this can relate both to an individual or an organization. And, and I, I, I in business, we often say, you know, ask the question, who's going to buy from me? Who's mm. going to buy my product? And that's a valuable from a profitable standpoint to say, yeah, because we need to make sales. But the deeper purposeful question to ask is the heart question. And that is, who do you feel stirred and called to serve? Mm. There's so much value and passion when, yeah, you have an audience that says, I want to buy from you, but you realize you have a unique opportunity and calling to be able to say, I'm going to serve this audience. And there's a number of reasons why. But when you understand that process, um, it leads you to be able to ask really important questions about them. Hmm. And we teach about personification. For example, uh, 
when you look at someone, you say, this is, I wish I had a hundred clients like this. Yeah. I wish I had a thousand clients like this. Well, when you do that, we walk people through what we call the, 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 uh, the human address. Okay. And the human address is like uh, um, a postal code. Yeah. It says, what are their wants? Mm. What are their interests? What are their needs? What are their objections? What are their fears? What are their frustrations? By the way, if you spell that out, it's like win off. We call oh. it the win off formula. <laughs> so you think win off, what is that? Wants, interests, needs, objections, fears, frustrations. Go a little deeper. What is their buying behavior? What are their media habits? Who are their influencers? And what is their, their style, their demographic style that says, oh, I like to make decisions this way. Or I like to do things this way. Because some people are like, boom, by the numbers. And some people are highly relational. Some people are get to the bottom line. And some people are, hmm, let me think about that. Yeah. And the more you know people, again, that what I was talking about earlier, emotional intelligence leads to the next discipline and that is crafting messages that are truly relevant, mm. truly relevant. And, and, and why is that? Well, because you know your purpose. You've got understanding. It's like, I understand the value I bring to the marketplace. I understand uh, who I'm called to serve. I understand I have a picture of what it looks like to do that. But now I also understand this unique life or, or segment that I get to serve. And so when you get that message together, it's like hand in glove. Mm. They come together in a way that isn't just you talking to nobody. In fact, you see a lot of marketing. <laughs> so many people are trying to talk to everybody yeah. that they really don't say anything relevant to anybody. Yeah. And when you can look into the face, in fact, I'm looking here in my little world here, and I've got pictures of people that have been my market, my clients, people that are important in my life. And I can look at them and say, you know what? I know what I need to share with them that's going to be meaningful and relevant and valuable. <clears throat> and when you know that, again, it involves emotional intelligence, <clears throat> the level of engagement can go through the roof. Yes. And that's where relationships can build. That's where businesses can grow. That's when purposes can be fulfilled. And you get up every day thinking, I get to do that again. Hmm. And that's a, it's a game changer, a game changer. I mean, if you are that clear, I was just... I was just sitting there thinking about our business and thinking about a few people I could help with this, right? So, uh, I mean, businesses for sure. I mean, if you are so, what you said about the distractions, if you're absolutely clear, A, on your purpose, B, on who you're going to serve. I mean, I love the way of instead of talking about, I know personas are the marketing term, right? But, but I love the way you've coined the term, which is or the whole sentence around who are you meant to serve and who are you wanting to serve? So if you think of it that way, then there's so much clarity and combined with the emotional intelligence and courage to take that message to market. Because a lot of people have a fantastic purpose, but they don't communicate it out of fear yeah. of being themselves. I just loved what you said in the beginning, because 
if you are yourself or if you have the courage to be yourself, you'll actually be more successful than trying to be somebody that you're not, which is absolutely rife on social media. Oh, yeah. And, you know, let's let's face it, you know, that desire, sometimes that that fear of being hurt. And if you've been hurt, you've been abused, yeah. you've experienced something, there is that that recoil, almost like, you know, when you see uh, turtles yeah. and they're, they've got this shell and they start to stick their head out. But if anything happens, boom, that head right goes right back, back in. Yes. Heck, I've been that turtle. Yeah. I know exactly what it feels like. Um, to have been ridiculed, mm. to have been told that you're not worth anything, that you're stupid, you're whatever, go down the list. I've had those experiences, and I'm sure a lot of people in the audience have had that at some level, mm. and for different reasons. You know, it could be just abusive relationship. It could be the color of your skin, you know, your faith, you know, your sexuality, whatever it is. Absolutely. There's a reason why people will go, I'm going to pick on you. Yes. And you have to, have to understand that, that that's not on you. Mm. That's on them. And it's safe to say that we live in a world that probably uh, social media, I'm going to say 10 to 15% of the people on social media aren't going to like you at all. No. And they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to ridicule you or they will ignore you. And then there's a group of people that yeah, you just don't resonate with. It could be because of your message, your style, your service, what, what you're offering right now. So I don't need that right now, or I'm not in the business for that. Yeah. And pretty much you'll feel somewhat ignored, but that's okay. Because if you're offering something, you want to offer it to those people that say, hey, I could really use that. And they relate to you. They connect to you. They trust you. They believe in you. They know you're going to deliver. You know that you're going to do the two things that everybody buys. And that is they want to experience a transformation and they're looking for an outcome. And if they believe that you can offer the transformation and the outcome they're looking for, then that other section, whether it's 10, 15%, maybe as much as 20, that's a, that's a stretch, are not just going to like you. They're going to grow to love you. And they're going to continue to love you. And the best part is, and this is another principle from the book, is that what you ultimately want to do is build up the kind of enterprise or reputation, whether it's be yourself or, or as an organization, that delivers in such a way that people are compelled to talk. Yeah. That way you get to leverage the most powerful marketing tool, better than social media. Social media is like a highway. Yeah. It's not actually the tool. <laughs> better than billboards, better than direct mail, better than all these things. And that is word of mouth. Mm. Because the thing that will cause people to talk is what I call wow wom. Mm. And if you can find that wow you can deliver, and every time you are asked to provide a service or a product, ask how can you deliver more than what's on the invoice that will compel them to say, wow, Love it. that is the greatest marketing multiplier that you can use in your business and your life and your career. Mm. Because when you get people to talk, you've now built up an ambassador network. You've now created multiplication. 
and you're no longer a lone ranger marketing yourself. You are the centerpiece of a team that's advancing great things that are making a difference in the lives of others. And that's, that's, that will differentiate you more than anything because everybody else is just selling a product. Well, absolutely. I could sit here talking to you for hours, Bill, <laughs> for hours, honestly. But I was just thinking that last thing, I'm going to phrase it, rephrase it also for the individuals because you said as an organization, what can you do to deliver a wow beyond what they're paying for on that invoice as a company? And as an individual, if you think about your paycheck or even if you're looking for a job, what is it that you can do that would be above and beyond what you're called to do in that role that would make the potential employer go wow? Mm -hmm. And that could be what you say even in the interview, right? Or in your resume, because that's all the mm -hmm. same thing. That's all marketing. And right now, relationship marketing is the best way to get the job. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't think of, in fact, um, I think about all our hires and I, mm -hmm. I'm sifting really quickly through my head going, da, 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 da. <laughs> and I think I can think of uh, so many that really came through relationships. They still have to honor the process. Mm. Um, quick, quick word of caution. A relationship is not a guarantee of a job or a project, or being hired to do something. Not at all. A relationship, what it does is it helps bridge the unknown. Because when people buy in, into anything, there's a process that starts with one awareness. Hmm. I didn't even know this existed. Or you existed. Then it leads to learning. Learning should lead to understanding. Understanding should lead to embracing Embracing should lead to buy-in, and buy-in leads to action, okay? There's a trail that takes place in the mind of everybody that is walking the journey from awareness to actually acting. And if it's a small thing, it's not a big thing. That can happen in nanoseconds. Yeah. But the bigger the, the decision and the more risk to making a bad decision, the more deliberate that is. And the more you need to be aware of how you facilitate that journey. So if you have, for example, a relationship, guess what? You just skip the awareness step. Yeah. If they know you and the value you bring, you've done a lot to minimize the need for the learning from square one step. Yeah. If you've been able to build that relationship to a sense that they understand your character and your competency and that you, in fact, may be a good fit for that role or the product they're trying to buy, you've broken great ground on the understanding phase, which means at that point, you're really, the embrace stage really is they have distinguished you as the vendor or the hire of choice. That's the breakthrough. Yeah. So that's where that relationship can come in. Now, if the relationship, and I will say this, I have people who have relationships with me, and I'm saying this lovingly, okay, <laughs> who think they have the relationship and like they have a, an in. Well, no, you still have to be good at what you do. You know, if I, if I didn't say it, working every day to become a master of your craft mm. is foundational to growing your career or your business. 
foundational. So please, I, I apologize if I didn't mention that. So be good. You kind of did. <laughs> because I know a lot of people that have a relationship with me that aren't that good. No. And they think because they have a relationship, they've got a foot in the door. Well, they have a foot in the door, but because I know them, they're not going to get to the embrace stage. They're just going to be friends. Yes. And I'll encourage them on their journey, but they won't do that journey with us at a professional level because every day our company and every day wherever you work, you make a promise. You make like a covenant to deliver on a promise. And that promise has to do with service, quality, when you're going to deliver it, uh, a commitment of your heart, your passion, a commitment to excellence, commitment to a standard. There's a lot of things in there that are implied that when we don't think that people can live up to that, we go, love you. Let's go have a cup of coffee, but I'm never going to hire you. So true. So true. That's an underlying, I mean, that's a given. You can't leverage a relationship if you don't have the ability to deliver. That's it. Full stop, period. (laughs) Now, I have to ask the important question. How can people find you, Bill? Where can they find you, Spirit Media? And also, how can they buy your book? Two questions. Well, thank you. I would say, call you. (laughs) No. The easy easy part. Two aspects. Our agency is spiritmedia.com. So you can go to spiritmedia.com. You know, click in there, see what we do. Because our agency produces a lot of videos for companies. We call them brand videos because people need to tell their story. And video is so critical right now. So we produce a lot of those. We produce a lot of virtual events now. So think about my background in television. Yes. That's what we're doing. We're doing internet television for people at a really high level. Um, But affordable for both corporations and nonprofits. So the spiritmedia.com is really the agency side of our business. But as an author, we have over my shoulder, 7drm.com stands for the seven disciplines of relationship marketing. And not only there can be a link to uh, buy the book, Spirit, uh, uh, seven disciplines of relationship marketing available on Amazon, Mm -hmm. but I also have the audible and I also have a Kindle and, uh, um, also I've got some worksheets. You know, so I, mean, I was, I was going to, I have to say this, those worksheets yeah. were really good. I downloaded every single one of them. Very useful. Oh, great. 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 <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we need tools and sometimes we want a little bit of a map. And so I encourage people download the worksheets because, um, and that's free, completely free. Um, ideally read the book. So you have the context because it, it's really a template for creating the seven discipline marketing model. But when you do the worksheets, you know, it really encourages you to do the hard work. And I, and I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Doing the self and the hard work to work through this. It's not easy. Yeah. It's tough because it's hard for be hard for us to be objective with ourselves, mm. And it's easy for us to minimize the value we bring. And that's why sometimes it's good to have a friend. A partner. Or engage you, Bill. They could always do that and come to you, right? Because you assist yeah. organizations and possibly individuals too. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. We're, I mean, we work with a lot of organizations to walk them through to do the workshop. I mean, we do a workshop for companies now virtually 
So if someone says, I want to do this as a workshop and I want to work through it, happy, happy to help. Um, and I'll just tell you, it makes me really giddy <laughs> because we've seen the light go on and people have the freedom to have the courage about who they are. And I believe in all my heart that every single one of us is called to greatness and has a profound opportunity to make a, a great difference in this world. And sometimes you just need to peel off the layers, unpack it, show you the compass, and reveal literally the miracle of who we are and the difference we can make in the world. Thank you so much, Bill, because you've certainly helped me, and I'm sure you've helped every single person who's listening to this particular oh. podcast. Really appreciate you. you and really value your friendship. Thank you so much for your time, Bill. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for tuning into the Unstoppable Leader podcast with me, your host, Maria Pettisetti. And if I may ask you for a favor, please drop me a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. I'd love your feedback and love to hear what you think. And if you want to stay up to date with me and the business that I'm in, then please check out my LinkedIn page, Maria Patisetti, or our website, theunstoppableleader.com. That is theunstoppableleader.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, be unstoppable. Unstoppable.